Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Origin and Tonic. Hey, Aspen. Hey, Mallory. Um, let's do the intro. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, yes, uh, we're here to enjoy tasty beverage, right? And share our origin stories of people's life events, traditions, hobbies, connections, relationships, adventures, whatever you say, right? Whatever, whatever you say. Whatever our guests say. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of guests, we have an absolute dynamite guest today. Uh, I'm a little nervous to have him in the basement, the most famous uh, person we will probably ever have. But uh, Chris Kopchinski, he is a world-renowned mountain climber. Um, he also is an author of Highest and Hardest, a Mountain Climber's Lifetime Odyssey to the Top of the World. So we are jazzed to have him uh, in just a bit. But I'm curious, Aspen, what... Um, what sort of like cl- what comes to mind when you think of climbing or, or mountaineering? Mm-hmm. Uh, bitter cold. Yeah, I think of uh, yeah. Um, I think of heights. That terrifies me. Yeah, I think mountain climbing specifically, cold, hard, scary. Yeah, that's for sure. Like completely out of my comfort zone. I would never like think of doing something like that. I find it fascinating, but me personally, never would do it. <laughs> I, the only closest thing I, I mean, it's nothing in comparison, but I went to 10,000 feet of Rainier to the base camp, the John Muir base camp, and we woke up like at three or earlier, I guess, got there around four, four thirty, uh, and started walking. We didn't have any gear, which I've learned from reading Chris's book is like really advantageous. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. and then I was pretty damn proud of myself. Also afraid of heights. Um, and it was summer, but it was, you know, obviously still pretty, pretty snowy. And we get to the top and we have like a really nice lunch. Um, and we're like watching other people take off, you know, for the summit or, or sleeping. But you could see people climbing kind of uh, from afar. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> on the way down, like there's <laughs> glissading, which I'm sure Chris can tell us better. But, you know, it's like really not a romantic time getting down. Like I think when you're hiking uphill, you can like look at stuff. Yeah, it's glissade. Is like literally sitting on your butt and skidding down. Yeah, is I'm that what I that think it's glis- uh, glassing. Yeah, okay. I think that's what they should call it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's mostly like I was trying not to because it's cold. Um, uh, yeah. And like I, I mean, I was like obviously warm on the way up, but yeah, it was just basically like you're. you're we had trash bags. You're kind of sledding, but it's not as fun, and then it just doesn't stop. Um, right. But but then we saw this guy, right? I was like feeling badass, like, oh, I've got to call my friends, like, let them know. Mm-hmm. And then this guy was just walking up, you know, mid-afternoon in a full Canadian tuxedo, which is denim on denim on denim, you know, and just like powering up. And denim like, in the snow? Yeah. He, well, he looked like he's done it before. It was mm. some wild, wild time. It's all about the confidence, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he knows yeah, what he's doing. Does he? Exactly. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, it definitely <laughs> seems that way. But, um, Wait, yeah. so Mount Rainier? Yes. And 10,000 feet is a base yeah. camp? Yeah, 14,000 oh, 14, is the yeah. summit. Like, there are 14 years. Oh, 14. Um, okay. But I guess that last 4,000, you know, it's like, y- I would have a guide if you I ever. You would have had If I was going <laughs> to do it, it I should have done it that year when I was already kind of motivated, but. I just like, I mean, I don't have, I think, really great uh, odds for being in the cold. I just, I literally get cold just walking out my house. So yeah, it's amazing. Some people can, not that they're not cold, but power through and 
and not lose a limb. It doesn't surprise me that you would be someone that would try to summit a mountain or at least get as far as you can. But what what made you, do you have a reason why? Just one of your check boxes? Yeah, or? I was just with some uh, some people at the time. What time of the year, you said? It was like August. Yeah, okay, so this yeah, just is sparking memory. I was thinking, I have no connection. Well, barely connection, I guess. But taking, my kids have been trying to, give them new experiences a couple of years ago we did go to rainier yes. like that main like area i guess but it was in yeah. june i did not anticipate snow still being there that was right so i did not have the right obviously shoes or anything so when oh, you start kind shit. of messing around you're like we got to turn back like we are not <laughs> even just like hiking around a little bit we were just not prepared so definitely did the hikes at the lower uh base of the mountain which were awesome but also, I was like, so. the, the sheer amount of people. That's when we came. Oh, yeah. When we were going up, there was like nobody with us, you know, mm-hmm. and it was dark. But coming down, I was like, oh shit! Like, thank God we we got in there. Right. Um, but oddly enough, my my name. I was like doing some just like research on climbers yes. in general and, and kind of comparing with Chris and um. So George Mallory, he was a big deal, and he had three initial. I think the first initial uh, expeditions to Everest and then Jim Whitaker, who a lot of people thought I was in uh, relation to, he was the first American to summit Everest. So in high school, one of my friends was on the Spokane Mountaineers and he was like, hey, is just by chance is Mm -hmm. your like relative Jim Whitaker? And I was like, oh, shit, like that's my uncle. And he like was freaking out. And I was like, all right, well, calm down, calm yourself. Um. And he said, do you mind if I call him? I thought, well, Uncle Jim's nothing if not gracious <laughs> and has time. So, yes. So I gave him the Aww. the number Whoops. and he was just like, oh, man, I that's so wild. I Where's this area code? Because I thought Jim lived in Seattle now, present day. I was like, no, 307's Wyoming. And I just should have let him call him. Because oh, yeah, totally. Uncle Jim would have just eaten it up. But um, I stopped him and, you know, Uncle Jim, my Uncle Jim is probably... But no relation, come to find out. No relation. And my parents were not, you know, climbers or hikers. Right. Um, Not not so much climbers or anything of that sort. I think being tall also. Like, I think Chris is pretty tall. Mm -hmm. But a lot of his climbing partners seem short. And I think, and like gymnasts. Well, yeah, like climbers are generally smaller people, like body types, right? They have to... Yeah, fold the their tent. weight. Yeah, they have to they yeah. have to do all sort of scale the mountains and do crazy things. So typically, I see they're small people. Yeah, it just seems like a lot, uh, both physically and mentally, to where I just would mm-hmm. think, what what are we doing up here? So. Oh, totally. I don't think. Yeah. See, I just can't do it. I I take a hike, and that that wins me enough. I just mm, no. Sherpas, I'm like, mm. yeah, I need a Sherpa like, for you a need hike. All the sure. yeah, assistance. I'm gonna get Oakley a little backpack for the summer, for summer hiking, because I've been Aww. carrying her shit for like a year now. Oh yeah, make her do the work. Mm-hmm. She'll love that. Yeah, she's a Sherpa. <laughs> <laughs> well, one time I did. I was like, I'm also really enthralled with like navigating through the snow, like all trails and you know all these maps where it's like you know topography and you can see where you're going but when it's snowing and uh you know gusts of wind and you can't see it's it's really like i just want to figure out how they do it because one time 
in college we were like scaling up uh, a mountain. Well, we were hiking, um, but then we took too long of a lunch and we realized that we were kind of scrambling up some pretty steep stuff. Um, well, we there is dogs here, so you may hear that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I will not be a Sherpa. Um, but realizing that... <laughs> Like, we couldn't get down the way we'd come. It was too too severe of, like, a scramble. And so we were just, like, kind of at this loss of what to do and, like, how to get down. In the desert, you know, it's really hot in the in the heat of the day, but it gets really chilly. So none of us had jackets or, like, enough water. Uh, Mallory, yeah, that sounds like the beginning of a I know. horror movie. Dude, and, like, being from the PNW, you would just, like, bushwhack or, like, try yeah. and find a marker, but... um. In the desert, there's just cacti, so even if you can see a way out, you can't necessarily get there. It's just a really odd, an odd place to be. So I, yeah. So how did you manage? Yeah. Well, we split off, which I don't think you're supposed ah, to do. Ah, another thing. Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Young Sorry. and dumb, I think my dad would say. But, um, <laughs> and then someone, my, my roommate Hannah found uh, a couple Karens, and then we all, like, kind of wandered around. But we got back at nightfall, and I don't think I told my mom for, like, a year Oh, but right. <laughs> She's like, you never yeah. know when I'm again. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, but those are really the two, the two, you know, like s- kind of scary, precarious things, you know. But at least in the wilderness, knock on wood, though, shit. Yeah, just for you. People are gonna listen to this podcast like she was mauled by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> God, hopefully not. She made it out alive. Yes, and told the story. That's right. No, I know. I was, I was trying to connect to this, and I was like, oh no. But, I mean, I really like documentaries, so I've watched um, cl- a lot of climbing documentaries, interestingly, uh, on Everest, and just climbing in general, those free solo guys, too. Like, yeah, I don't know how they do it. Like you said, it's almost like just the feet to get up, and then you don't, like, how, oh, yeah, you have to get back down. Like, that's yeah. a whole, I, you know, mm. <laughs> I think that's why I get scared of heights like if you focus i can go up but then it's the idea of coming back down that is actually more terrifying i think realizing how far up you are and how long it took and to have to go back down is so scary i mean listen i won't even put christmas lights like above my i've just like resorted to putting them on the shrubbery because i value (laughs) my life i mean there's a certain thing like i think younger i wouldn't have cared and i was pretty young and hung out on my roof a lot but i think just like mortality Mm -hmm sets in like who's yeah. gonna watch after oakley you know no it's so true i i as a kid i was like fearless i would do so many things climbing trees and jumping off things and and as you get older those fears start to develop like yeah like you said you realize mortality like uh, and it's like visceral shaking like i wish i could be cool calm collect yeah. on a ladder but there's just no uh there's no happening. disguising it yeah as silly as it is okay i have <laughs> little signs like above my table groups in my classroom and uh, my husband, Chris, helped me hang them up, but one fell down and I have not hung it up. And I told my <laughs> class, I was like, I'm terrified of standing on the table. I cannot do it. I'm too even scared to stand on the table to hang it back up. So it's going to stay down for a while. Like, that's how. None of the kids have offered to help. Oh, they have. But oh. again, liability. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'm like, no, uh, I just it's stupid, but like I can't control my body. I can't go up the escalators, uh, like downtown in the mall. Oh yeah, like the exposure. I, it just, I, it's. You know, I that's kind of like the north face of Iger. I think. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. I feel like when we were in Chicago, and I couldn't and w- walk the you know? bridge. 
Well, I was like, I can't do this. Like, it's, like, it's got to be hyper focused, stare straight, go fast. Because if I think about it too long, I'm gonna be frozen in. To be fair, though, that had like open grates. Yeah, that like, you uh, could uh, see uh, down. Yeah, you know, see anything like scary. that open yeah. stairways. Uh-uh. So, no. There's a Mary Kate and Ashley film, circa I'd say 1998. <laughs> <laughs> All the good ones were that year. They were like, oh, it's um, our lips are sealed, please. <laughs> the witness protection <laughs> program, which we've all been there. And they were like, we're not, we're down under. Because they, you know, they kept on spilling. Just a quick recap. They kept on spilling <laughs> where they were living. Like, we're in witness protection. And they're like, darn it, stop saying that. Anyways, they had to climb over, they got to climb over this bridge in Sydney. I think it's a pretty famous thing to do. Um, and I was like, oh, if MKNA can do it, you know. But then I thought, are these doubles? Mm-hmm. Is this a green screen? Mm-hmm. I hope they did it, though. Well, when we have them on, we'll ask. Yeah, we'll ask them. More so Mary Kate, though. I don't know. <laughs> no offense, Rashley. <laughs> no offense. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we're stoked for Chris mm-hmm. Kopshinsky, not to be confused with your husband, who shout out for his AV work. Not that he listens to the pod. Neither does my fam. Uh, I found out. Yes, recently he oh listened. Wow. He definitely listened All to right. the last one, Charlie's. Well, Christopher Elliott, not Christopher. Chris Elliott comes. Is there any other updates that God, I wish. Listeners? Wish. You know, it's been a really nice January. <laughs> it's been in the forties. <laughs> That's an update <laughs> that I'd like to remember. I know. Do you think we're gonna have any snow for February? Let's make our prediction right now, because I think our next guest will probably be in February at the pace we're going. Oh, happy mm. Valentine's Day! Bro. Listen, we um, <laughs> we're not <laughs> we making work money. Time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this if you'd is like a to hobby. Sponsor us. Yeah. Um, we told you to email us yes. if you want to be our guest at Yember. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I keep trying to convince We'll talk her. after. We'll talk yeah, after. I keep trying to convince her. Um, oh. What were we talking Oh, in February. Yes, I think February. that it's going to um, keep in the 40s, and then there'll be another, at least one more snowfall prediction for you, Aspen. Okay, you do think we're going to get another one. Are you? Uh, <laughs> well, I hope. Here's what I hope. Yeah. It's uh, is really hard. It's hard. It's hard. I w- the I weather? Well. Yeah, like I <laughs> want another snow day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't. But I do. But I don't. You it's know. Fair. Because Two hour delay. That's because all our job, do. like right, like. But it's like this whole. We have to make up one more day. We need a two hour delay. So though. it's like, should we have one more just to like make it all even? Or mm, that's no. A great point. All right. Well, I feel like we with daylight savings, we've gained a lot of daylight, and so. This is for me. This is the up yeah, and up. You caught me at yeah. a bad time in October. Um, but now I, I really feel like, yeah. <laughs> well, after Halloween, you're just kind of like, shit, you're stuck <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> but now it's like the sun sets at approximately 428. I was going to say, you what is the time? How much more yeah. sunlight have we gained since? I've been keeping a little chart. <laughs> since uh, the solstice. Yeah, I think, well, I think 28 minutes at uh, with sunset and like five minutes. It's, it's interesting, fi- like five or six minutes with uh, the sunrise, so approximately. Okay. Yeah. You always, I always uh, love the updates from you about how many seconds, <laughs> minutes Me yeah. that you, you have. We have gained in over. Real time. Yeah. IRL, you know. I never thought about it till you came along. Like, well, I get depressed. June twenty first, catch me outside, literally. I know you're like <laughs> as happy as you are because it's June. Right. But right. But you're like, we are now entering. <laughs> 
time of darkness. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't, for some reason, it doesn't feel as, uh, like, dooming. Well, I guess because July is nice. Yeah, you know, because we have summer. We're off work. We'll have to check back in in, uh, in June and July. No. All right, well, we'll see what our bets take us to in February. And mm-hmm. we're going to let Chris in. He's been pounding on the door for the past <laughs> half. Sorry, Chris. Sorry. We're keeping him outside because he likes it out there, apparently. <laughs> Okay, well, hey, Chris, we're here with Chris Kopchinski. Uh We're very excited to have you. And <laughs> I just want to say um, we were going to turn the AC on and blast you cold because I feel like that's what you're comfortable with. But <laughs> well, I no. want be able to use my fingers and hands, so we won't do that. It feels good with this warmth. <laughs> okay, good. Um, first of all, I we've had some, some guests uh, of different variety, but mostly um, just like friends of friends of friends. And... Um, one thing I was very excited to have was someone that we didn't know, but uh, as I was reading, Cottonwood, Idaho, just like stood out immensely um, because that's where my family's from. Oh, really? So Ruth and George Kopsinski, who yeah. are they to you? Uh, that's my uncle, my uncle uh, George. Uncle George, okay. Yeah. So if you believe it or not, I think we're related. My family are Agnews, and Ruth oh, was darned. an Agnew. So like through marriage... Three degrees of separation, three generations. I think we're cousins. So that's thanks for being cousins. Well, speaking of cousins, I think I that last count I had 107 first cousins. Yeah, that sounds about wow. right. Yeah, I think and my mom first is your cousin? cousin. 107 first cousins. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, and about 300 uh, more. Yeah. It's a big, big family. It is. There's a story, a great story my mom tells of um, these two, I forget what brothers they were, but they were sitting down in Cottonwood kind of flirting with these two twins, and then they turned out, they figured out that they were first cousins and quickly <laughs> went their separate <laughs> ways. But, yeah, it's a, it's a big fam. I feel like Spokane in general feels like that, and especially our, our connections. Um, but your book really laid out this really cool history of, Spokane, because my both my parents aren't from here, and um, you know, growing up a little bit later in life, it just is a cool uh, sight to see of the pictures that you painted, both literally uh, that you have in your book, but also just you know, of climbing bridges and and doing wild things. Um, <laughs> so I really your your book is beautiful and a historical just novel in and of itself. So I encourage Spokaneites in general to read it, but. I I was really uh, pleased to see that the uh, Mac has got the, this book on sale, the Museum of Arts oh. and Culture. Oh, nice! I just yeah. became a member, so shout out! I'll Let's have to pick go. it up, ten percent yeah. discount. <laughs> That's, <laughs> <wonderful>. <laughs> That's so great. Um, so you are just really an active person, uh, in general, in terms of what you're doing now and what you've done in the past. Um, but I wanted to ask, like. Does your competitive, like reading the book, uh, Highest and Hardest, we plugged it in the intro, but do you find that your competitiveness is or was like in other aspects of your life and not just mountain climbing? Like, Oh, yeah. 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 What, <laughs> other, what other places yeah, does it show I, up I, for uh, Well, I was competitive in checkers or chess or nice. <laughs> bicycle riding, whatever. We've got a board uh, here. <laughs> uh, the competitive gene... It was very strong in me, um, not just for mountain climbing, but I put 
110% into uh, climbing in my youth, which I have to say is behind me now. I'm going to be 75 in about three weeks. Well, well happy wow. birthday. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we timed it out just right. It's, yeah, a month from now I'll be 75. But wow. So uh, those years uh, of my competitiveness uh, have waned a bit through the years. But uh, at the time, that's all I could think about was the next one mountain after another. Right. We are both teachers, and I just think seeing a 15-year-old, that's about when the time you said that you'd carved those two <laughs> Everest and Iger into your, into your axe. I feel like, you know, I thought I was going to be a Spice Girl um, at 15, <laughs> which is like a pop singer in, in Britain. Um, so I, I think it's really remarkable that you kept that, Pro you know, I mean, promise to yourself and that goal. I felt like I was an old man at 16. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I, when so I reached, uh, when I had all these uh, things change in my body, when you're, you're, you get 10 and 12 years old, and my mom actually got me started uh, in uh, snow skiing, and I went up to Mount Spokane, and I was about 11 or 12 around there. And saw Mount Spokane on a clear day. That really hooked me about uh, the beauty of the mountains. And then uh, I was a truant, as my book explains. Right. Uh, I had to pay back uh, some. Yeah, you vandalized evil. a car. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I, I, right? I, well, I, I was the only one I caught on. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Oh. But uh, I, I was. I was running around with not the right people and um i had this bill to pay off and i got this paper out and that really ec excited my vision about uh, waking up at five four o'clock in the morning and watch the sun come up on the side of the hills and rocks up there and i just thought man would it be cool to climb a mountain and watch the sun come up from up there yeah okay so and so that's how i got hooked into it do you know the film circa i don't know early to mid 2000s slumdog millionaire yeah i saw yeah. that so i feel like uh the like tagline or byline is it is written and it was just like kind of this destiny from from when he first started out as youth to where he was in his early 20s i'm not sure the timeline but yeah like every experience basically like shaped him into winning that and i as I was reading, I basically had two tone highlighters of like, it is written for Chris. <laughs> in terms of, from anything, I let's see, the paper route to meeting that, that famous climber on the plane um, to just enjoying, let's see. Yvonne Chouinard, yeah. Meeting John Ross Kelly on the yeah. first day. First um, day. And you had the right genes, like your quote is like the right genes to excel at high altitude. And I feel like all of that was just this beautiful culmination. Um, and like if something had gone wrong, I mean, stuff did go wrong. <laughs> don't get me, don't get me wrong. But um, I just, I really feel like it was destiny. And like starting with your paper route, because of this incident, it just. Well, you got me nervous because you really have read the book. <laughs> I've, I've been narrating no, over know. it, to be honest. I think, did I say that? <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll quote a page reference for our fact check. But yeah, it just really, it really seems like it was destiny in, in a really clear, you know, third party, although we're cousins, third party way. Um, that it was, it was well, your destiny. Uh, did I did write that, that book, and that's the way I wrote it, and that's the way it felt. 
yeah. at the time. And uh, thinking back on it, I, I, uh, my mom told me that later on. You were born to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I was always real active and couldn't be controlled by. I, I couldn't. I didn't do good with authority at the time. And Same. The, mount, <laughs> the mountains. The mountains were a huge outlet release for me, physically and mentally. And uh, the more I got into it, the more I realized this is the right sport for me because it really challenged my brain to see if I could uh, climb up to the top of these giant peaks and come back and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering what your favorite. Like, I mean, you obviously, like, have done a lot. You've climbed uh, every highest peak on every continent, and you were the ninth person, is that right, to climb Everest? Ninth American. Ninth American, sorry. Yeah. My notes are The 109th person. Wow. 109th. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. The ninth American. Um, it, wow. If you count the people that, there's l half a dozen people that died on the way down, but they still count that as getting to the top. Oh, they do. Oh. I was wondering, yeah. Okay. honestly. Yeah. Okay, if I had to guess, was your favorite climb Makalu, or was that, or like if yeah. you had to pick <laughs> one that like really stood out in terms of, like, I don't want to say enjoyable because none of them well, really sounded Well, yeah, they, they really were. It really, you know, it really was a, uh, an enjoyable um thing these expeditions you're gone yeah. for three and a three and a half months and you're right. come back uh wasted uh, you're giving yeah. your whole self to it and i'd say makalu uh was one of the um his historic changes uh for mountaineering in the himalayas because we were just a band of four and up until right. that time and all spokane all spokane team, group we we uh did it on a shoelace budget of thirteen thousand dollars uh, it was like twelve thousand nine hundred and eighty-two. I think is I that what it was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> wow, Mallory. Is it okay? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Well, don't joking. exaggerate now. No, <laughs> <laughs> no you. <laughs> but it was it was a low budget uh, expedition where, up to that point, these expeditions were costing millions of dollars, and they would send right. hundreds of people to to able. It was like putting a man on the moon at that time. Right. You know, going to Mars and. Because these 8,000-meter peaks hadn't been climbed, but uh, Russ Kelly and I, we knew that uh, we <laughs> we just knew we could pull it off. And, um, yeah, I would say Makalu was really one of the most inspiring things for the American climbing scene, too. And, and it, it, it won the uh, award for the American Alpine Club of being one of the top 10 expeditions of the uh, the 20th century. Out like of, a board uh, of, of A board of directors okay. of the American Alpine Club, which is a worldwide uh, board, uh, wow. chose that particular expedition as one of the top 10 expeditions of the entire 20th century. And that included uh, the, the first ascent of Mount Everest and uh, some of these peaks that nobody hears of. And I have to say, you know, in climbing, in climbing big peaks, the sport of rock climbing is almost a separate sport. Right. Mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. It's a separate entity unto itself. And there's uh, the, the challenge for me was to be a good rock climber and a good ice climber to try to climb um, 
real hard pitches up at high altitude, up at above 20,000 feet. And that's, that was a niche I put into my brain, but uh, you know, you can go down to Wild Wilds right down here in the middle <laughs> of town and you mm -hmm. climb 20, 30 feet up. And that's the neat thing about climbing, it's imagination. And you, you well. can feel like you're, you're on the top of Everest or, and, uh, or go out to Minnehaha and climb the rocks there. That's the great thing about climbing. It's for anybody that can get that uh, adrenaline rush. <laughs> and it, it's, yeah. uh, you know. We feel the adrenaline rush on a ladder on top yeah. of, uh, you know. <laughs> like, I just was telling Aspen before this, like, I really, you know, I only, I've climbed to John Muir Base Camp on, on Rainier, 10,000 feet. That's, that's pretty good. I've, well, thank you. Mm -hmm. That means, can yeah. you write this yeah, down? Yeah, that's great. Uh, uh, my wife <laughs> couldn't make it up there. <laughs> oh, yeah. She oh, did you? See, oh, she, oh, I'm sorry. Look at her. She's like, we went together. Yeah. Cousins go traveling backs. Yeah. But no, that's it a big accomplishment. It is really. Um, so you state in your book that like 90% of, you know, fatalities and, and things that can go wrong are on the descent. Are you climbing down? Like, is it glissading? Is it hopefully not glissading? How are you getting down these big time mountains? Well, uh, very carefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, attached to some things. Um, getting to the top of a big peak, uh, Mount Rainier, Mount Hood, any of the peaks that you can recognize that are uh, big peaks, a 10,000 foot peak, a 5,000 foot peak, Mount Spokane. Mm -hmm. You run up to the top or you climb up to the top of these mountains and you've expanded um, your emotions and your physical body to almost the maximum to get there. And then you relax a little bit, and you and you really can't relax. Yeah. Right. You have to turn around, and particularly on the bigger peaks like Makalu or Everest. Uh, I only spent 20 minutes on this. I, I spent, I don't know, 18 years of my life training for it, and I spent 20 minutes on right. the top. Wow. Speed is safe. It, but when it's 30 below zero and the, with the wind blowing, mm -hmm. you you got to keep all the marbles. You got to keep focused right. every step of the way down because going down is so much more uh, taxing yeah. uh, not on your heart and lungs but your root finding you have to look where you're stepping to make sure you're not stepping on a, a loose boulder or a loose piece of ice mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happens it, um, people relax a little oh. make an error in judgment and 90% um, of the accidents are they're coming so down the mountain from the summit yeah, you're just so you, you're, you're, yeah. you put yourself so out. You, you, you summit is, is your success. Yeah. And it, a lot of people uh, uh, don't know when to turn around. And, and when I, I look at my success ratio, it's probably not better than 50%. I turned around a lot of times. Right, yeah. That was a lot was of times hard to read almost. I felt like I was going through it with you like, oh, damn it, Chris, I wanted this for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, here you are. So. so is it bivac, bovac, when you create a makeshift? Bivouac. Bivouac. Dang it. Google Translate so failed me. So close. Yeah. Um, so can you explain what that is and why you'd have to use it? Uh, bivouac is an unplanned night out. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. All right. That is the best. Yeah. Not at the bars. No, you're. You've gone up the mountain. It's going to be my new word for that. You might have made it. Well, it's a good word for bars too. Nowadays, you can call the cab. Yeah. But. If you make it to the top of the mountain and uh, you don't have the energy to get back down and you know you're not going to be able to survive in the night, uh, climbing down in the middle of the night, you've got to find a spot or a ledge or something to bivouac, which means you sit there and wait for the sun to come up. <laughs> yeah. Because and, uh, of night or because temperatures or because of both? Because of both. Yeah, and because of exhaustion. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. yeah. That's mostly uh, mm -hmm. people bivouac because of exhaustion. I've spent many nights out in a bivouac <laughs> and it's just like a little like a tent no no a lot of oh, times uh, a okay. lot of times heavy, it's right? just to carry your yeah tent. it's you, you know oh it's like a snow <laughs> fort uh it's uh, yeah if you have the but tool if snow. you have an ice axe to dig a, a little snow cave or a, an area that you can I lay see. down in okay. or something but usually your the dress and the gear that you have on is warm enough to survive the night yeah usually hunker down but a lot of a lot of climbers have died in bivouacs um mm -hmm. yeah unplanned sure. bivouacs and that's where uh again your judgment comes into play is uh, if you can you have to know yourself really well uh, how far yeah. you can go how fast you can go and what times and you have to set limits uh, going up a mountain to if I'm not at the top by two or three o'clock or four o'clock or whatever it is Wherever you are on the planet. You got to just say I've got to turn around. I've I've turned around on Mount Rainier. Maybe uh, I've climbed it 59 times and I've probably turned around 58 yeah. times Wow. Okay. And at one time I was I was probably a th less than a thousand feet from the summit you could see it in through the fog right and wow. I was with a group and I made them turn around because yeah, we just didn't you. have that that last uh, little bit through the fog and through the clouds could have been a anyway glad I did but yeah you have to know yourself really well and stick to a constitution and your your climbing team I like that's the thing is that it's really I mean as much as it is your solo training and your you know mindset it also you're relying on other people which is so like yeah i just i mean aspen and i both are coaches and i rode crew in in college and just feeling like we're all like trusting people enough to know that everyone's doing their job and pulling <laughs> the same it's real like i just i have thought about it in terms of of crew of my experience but really this is i mean literally it's life or death and i just how do you yeah. like my friend is a is a pretty big climber and i always ask him like you know if if he doesn't have a partner or if you know somebody's sick or whatever how you assess other people's <laughs> mostly mental i mean honestly yeah there's a lot like of is no, there other people, activities you do besides climbing that's a true that, that, that's, that's the best question mental. you could ask yeah because you really have to know the person you're with very well and they have to have to uh the chemistry has to be right. Uh, you can get a, uh, expeditions fail because you got all these prima donnas that that can't get along in in a group or a team setting. It's a team effort. And fortunately for me, I I grew up uh, in the Spokane Mountaineers, listening to uh, and being trained the right way with 
with uh, the programs they had. And I met Ross Kelly, and we both grew together. Right, uh, day one. Yeah, from right. day one. That's and wild. so I knew John uh, as well as I know my brother or my sister or any uh, far better than I know my cousins. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's <laughs> <certainly There's> accurate. <laughs> but uh, we, kn we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. And then you have to, f to find another, to build a team of four, you have to have the same chemistry. Right. And that's probably the most important thing in success in a, in a team uh, effort. I mean, uh, and it, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to attain on an expedition. Yes. It yeah. really, really is hard to do. Um, on that same note, have you ever said no to someone in your team? Oh, yeah, like yeah. Like, no, you, you're not a yeah, good fit. Yeah, I turned down a lot of expeditions that I just didn't feel comfortable with the people. Okay. Or the leader. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. to go to the Everest, I mean, not to, like, <laughs> hashtag Everest is a big deal, but, <laughs> like, your Everest chapter was fascinating in terms of, you saw, I forget the gentleman's name that you thought, S is it Steve? That you thought, this is the guy I'm going to summit with. Oh, I, Steve I Boyer, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then he got a pulmonary edema, is that right? He got pulmonary edema at about 20. 4,000 feet. Right. After oh. all this work, I just felt, <laughs> I was like, we got to call Steve after this. And like, oh, tell him yes. Yeah. Um, but, but the people you had in mind constantly for who you were going to be up there with, just, it didn't work out. Jeez. And you <laughs> ended up summiting with one of the Sherpas. Is that right? Just him. Yeah. Well, everybody that I wanted to go to, that I felt comfortable with going up with, uh, got sick. Right. Or worn out. And Boyer was my first choice. David Jones, uh, he was a brilliant climber, still is. Um, but he got sick, and yeah. he had to go to base camp. And, yeah, that particular expedition was very strenuous. I ended up uh, bartering with one of the Sherpas, and he right. could speak a little bit of English, but Sundari right. was a wonderful, wonderful climber. And just mm. we just clicked. And I said, look, Sundari, he didn't want to go either. I right. said, if you will try it with me, I'll give you my d brand new down jacket. Yeah, and your Eddie Bauer. And I'll give you another $100 as a bonus, which was for a male Sherpa in 1980, was w uh, uh, almost a whole year's mm -hmm. wages. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. And okay. so I said, just try it with me and go with me. And the ironic thing about Sundari, uh, the Sherpas uh, don't get, the accolades that uh, right. a lot of the American climbers do, but he right. had been up there before. He had climbed Everest before, right? And he had lost all his toes, <laughs> and when he took his right. <laughs> shoes off, it just a stump. But he had remarkable balance. Yeah, he had made. He, he was just a tremendous athlete, and soft-spoken. And uh, I just love the guy. And it he ended up in tragedy and in his life, but uh, in the end, but um, years later. Uh, he. Um, <laughs> How did you Sorry. keep in touch with him? Or I just or would no? w with tele telegraph, teletype, or whatever oh, you, wow. you know. Like a telegram to the telegram, to, yeah, oh, yeah, wow. back and forth. But um, anyway, we went to the that particular day. Sundari said, "Okay, I'll go with you, but I c I can't go until the sun actually comes up." Part of his <laughs> religion oh. was that he had to have the sun on his body. Yeah. And I, I was up all night at 3 o'clock 
right, cooking ready and waiting, to go. ready to go, waiting for yeah. him. But he says, "No, sob, no sob. I can't go until the sun comes up." So, well, timing is one of your, I think, specialties of knowing when to go, know when to go, when to hold. And I feel like I was <laughs> the only reason I knew you'd made it is because the title. But I was really worried <laughs> that you were going to make it again. But yeah, he, I guess he used socks and things to cushion his. Or to fill in the gaps of his he toes. He had paper shoved in there. Yeah, that's so. It's yeah, kind of, but I he mean, was, it's warm, I guess, insulation. But he was had tremendous like balance, and it yeah. didn't seem to affect him at all. Very, yeah. very strong guy. So, just for like a context, because I didn't know anything either. When Tibet and Nepal were feuding, right? Yeah. They closed. Is it like, please correct me or fix it or just tell it, but they closed a portion. So you used to have to climb or hike in 137 miles to just get to the base of. That's what we did. Right. Yeah. 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 Tibet at the time. That stressed me out, Chris. All of it. Your book stressed me out, but that part really stressed me out also. (laughs) Fleas, lice. Uh, What was the caterpillar horned thing that was. (laughs) You really did. She read read the book. I was telling Aspen, like this, this particular creature or somebody maybe not Aspen even but your whole body can you just tell us what happened well in, in the uh, jungle you know uh in Nepal there is a jungle down below right and uh most of as you of the country that runs east and west is ribbed with the Himalayan uh valleys there there are peaks and valleys and in these valleys you're down 2,000 feet or even lower right and you're hiking in we had to hike over the ribs 120 miles to get to the base camp and on on that hike uh, (laughs) we went through part of the jungle and we were um, going through all these there was a trail there but there was brush and and leaves that were hanged down and this particular part of the trail you were throwing leaves away with your arm and pushing them away as you went went through this particular area because the in a jungle with all that rain, with a tremendous amount of rain, it just grows up overnight, and so right. you can't keep the trail open all the time. But then on one of these leaves was this uh, uh, giant two-horned caterpillar. <laughs> it looked like it was a it no was a, it was it was uh, you know three or four inches long with these two big black points. I didn't see it, but I just felt this this oh, sting yeah. on my yeah, shoulder. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, I, I really got bit by something. And so I grabbed the branch. Which I and, would which, and I, I, I saw the caterpillar that I just bit me or yeah. stung me with his horns. And so I took the branch. I said, I got to find out what this is. And so I was with, with uh, Steve Boyer, Dr. Boyer. I was with 12 doctors, which was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I went into the village, and these little kids saw me holding the branch with the caterpillar, and everybody scattered. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I, I thought, man, absolute, I'm I'm finished I'm because dead. I could feel the uh, poison going into, uh, it like bitten, getting bitten by a black mamba. Yeah, the venom, yeah. The venom was going in. Th- so I like could a, feel it going into my whole oh, side okay. and and uh, paralyzing my the whole half of my body and On i the just way thought to Everest, that's what i'm like uh-oh this is what's going to take you out it's the well i was i wrote rewrote my will i dictated yes. to uh steve right there at that spot and uh did you leave any as, to your cousins so no i didn't have much to leave but <laughs> but what i did have i felt was important 
to yeah. root it out. But uh, it took several hours before the numbness. Uh, so you just it, had to wait it out? Yeah, we just waited oh. there and waited there, and there was ah. nothing, absolutely nothing. We we didn't know what anti-venom or anti right, right. would work. And uh, Boyer and I were alone that day. We were way ahead of everybody. And so my body corrected it, and uh, oh, I got cool. up and kept going. Luck, luckily. Yes. Yeah. But wow. it was a very poisonous uh, caterpillar, according to the locals. They Which I've never heard of. <laughs> I'm gonna look I it feel up. like caterpillars are always so nice and fuzzy. Well, I took a picture. <laughs> I think I did. Put it you in know, the book. They turn into butterflies. Yeah. In the jungle, you, There's no picture, Chris. Uh, I read I'm going to find a picture of over. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, I, I did have it in a, uh, before I edited, the book got edited, and they had to cut a lot of different pictures out. But mm. Yeah, Rich Landers I was the editor, right? Yeah, yeah Rich did a fabulous right. job. Also Spokane. Like, I just, I'm yeah. proud of Spokane reading your book. Mm -hmm. um, no, nobody better than Rich. Another thing I find really fascinating, like, I didn't know at this point in your career when you were with the USSR and then with Everest, um, those were two sponsored climbs, but the rest, I mean, you were working full time, yeah, I was gonna ask two kids, and recently married on your <laughs> first, I mean, that's, like you said, it was like, well, you said 13,000, but it's like 12,980 something, but it just, raising those funds yourself and not being, I mean, really the, the major thing that I was noting was like the advantage of not working full time, being able to have your job be your mountaineering versus having a job and then trying to be a mountaineer well, i'm it's glad you circled really back because i was really yes. curious about that like you said you had this low budget you said it was millions usually and you said this was in the early 80s. uh yeah uh, well expeditions that were mounted by european nations and at the time in the 70s 60s 70s and early 80s there was uh there was fourteen thousand or 14 8,000 meter peaks, which means above right. 26,000 feet. Mm -hmm. And only one of one or two had been climbed. And so all every other country was trying to say, a, like if you're from Australia or something, that they climbed uh, Masher Broom or they climbed Dalagiri the, the first time. And, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. it was really a, a big deal then. So was your but first sponsorship with the USSR team? The first... Uh, expedition I got invited on was the USSR uh, exchange in the Soviet Union. We went to Moscow and that right. was sponsored by the American Alpine Club and lots of vendors like Eddie Bauer was one of the major ones. Right. The National Geographic. Um, you, would, you would just pick up money here and there. It was almost like a bake sale. And um, wow. But if you had the identity of the American Alpine Club sponsoring it helped a lot and then they would the American Alpine Club picked 12 climbers uh, from the United States and I was fortunate to be one of them and that was in 1974 but then every expedition after that I turned some down after that because of the chemistry wasn't right with the people and everything but to get on an Everest climb you really had to be uh, a known uh, high altitude climber right. to get chosen uh, to be on the team. So was the was the one in the in uh it wasn't in Moscow. I don't know what mountain it was, I'm sorry. That you Mount Lenin? Yes. Was that like essentially uh 
like for better or worse like a race or were you like trying to work together because it was a a couple teams yeah there was there was teams from it was an international expedition there was teams from all over the world right Uh, i think uh every country in europe was represented and um it wasn't you couldn't call it a race but uh we all were there there was plenty of mountains to climb peak lennon was the highest at 23,405 feet that was the one that most people wanted to climb but there was a lot of um a lot of the peaks next to it that hadn't ever been climbed. Yeah. Ross Kelly climbed Peak 19 for the first time. And yeah, was uh, that hard being there with him, but not being on his team? Uh, no. I mean, John and I were uh, friendly competitors. Yeah, well, that's the best <laughs> kind. <of laughs> yeah. Push each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we this, were. This was the first tragedy in the book that, like, really hit home. The entire team of four no it was the entire team of the entire woman's team of eight oh, of eight. oh. they all perished yeah because the, of the, the weather yeah. well they had they had poor equipment yes. um i don't yeah. know how to i don't want to you know if i have some people that are from the soviet union listen to this podcast <laughs> i don't want to yeah. bring down uh but at that time uh only a thousand feet away when these eight w- women perished on the summit of peak lennon uh we had a two two or three teams were up there uh living in comfort right just right, right. i mean it was a brutal brutal storm but their equipment was like 1850 boy scout tents i yeah. mean it was just like terrible said, they no did not suburbs. have you know yeah whatever, whatever you want to think about mm-hmm. the united states it is I always came back and kissed the ground because this is where people were free to make and develop new products that were yeah. used by everybody. Still, still is. I mean, the, the the free enterprise really flourished, and you could really see the difference in the Soviet Union. I didn't right. like it at, at all, and uh, like particularly said, nowadays. Yeah. And the ability to speak up and say, hey, I... You couldn't this, you speak know, up. Like, we were followed. We had two yeah. KGB people with us that whole time. Mm-hmm. And it took our that? wallets and it took our money and our identification 70s? until the expedition Like upon was arrival? Upon arrival, yeah. And that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. and that's the way, it's yeah. the way they run their country. And uh, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were going to like think about doing Everest you had two expeditions to cho- you are invited on two separate ones can you explain two your separate choice? expeditions on to Everest yeah I was invited on the Kanchung face uh, east face expedition which I did go back a couple of years later than do but I was invited on both of them at the same time I I uh, was fortunate to be invited on the uh, south side one and I picked because I knew John Evans from the Pamir climb, and uh, and I knew all you know. It's a tight knit group of climbers that do these kind of things. Well, and elite so they people knew. know elite people. Let's just put yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I got you know. I, I certainly yes. didn't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I couldn't buy my way into it. But I was invited on both of them, which was really refreshing. And I chose to go with uh, John Evans because I. I really trusted his leadership ability. I knew him from the premieres, and he trusted yeah. me. It was a like, 
there was only uh, five climbers, professional climbers, and there was 13 uh, professional doctors, doctor climbers right, right, on that right. trip. But I, I uh, felt real comfortable with John, and uh, it paid off for, the, uh, for me and the expedition. And it, it was, was a good bet. Like also about science, right? Like your lungs. It was all. It was 100% uh, scientific yeah. expedition to study the heart and lungs at extreme altitude. Yeah. It was very interesting. So Extremely. They interesting. bring up like equipment to test along the yeah, way. Yeah, we took. Uh, <laughs> we took an exercise bike bicycle all the way up to 20, what? 24, and we had wow. to do we had to do uh, VO2. The VO2 max. At 20, they wanted to do it at 26,000 feet, but the highest we got was 22,000 feet, and you had to go until you collapse. Oh my! You know, I basically signed my life away to science when yeah. I went on that, and then they tested your eyes for retinal hemorrhage. Which I had a billion of those, and then wow. they tested your mind and uh, chess games and everything, okay. all above 20,000 feet. And and these were uh, John West. Uh, Dr. John West, who was the leader of the expedition, not the climbing leader, but the leader of the expedition, he just right. retired, not retired, but he gave up his NASA seat. He was the one who was uh, the leader of all the uh, astronauts in the space and doing all the testing for them. And he said he got more out of this that expedition than anything he ever did in NASA. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it had long-range repercussions for a uh, science world, for a uh, we were in part sponsored by the, the U U.S. Army for uh, they got a, they got their money's worth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a big expedition, though. It was a lot of people. We had a thousand porters. Yeah, nine hundred, nine hundred porters. Okay, that would be that would stress me out also. Just having that many people and feeling like, mm -hmm. you know, that many more steps to follow or fall through or <laughs> right, to mess right. up the avalanche situation or mm -hmm. just yeah is it is it like do you like a smaller team if you oh i after the, I, I i can't emphasize enough how much i like a smaller team probably yeah. my f my favorite expedition that i ever did i went by myself oh <laughs> I had yes. nobody to. The smallest <laughs> team. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I went to Antarctica and I climbed to Mount Vincent, which is the highest peak in wow. the, in Antarctica. And Antarctica? I went to, yeah, I went uh, solo, and uh, I had just myself to talk to and barter with. So <laughs> that was a good memory. But no, no. To answer your question, you know, you really have to have a leader that knows how to to identify people before they go before they leave the united states or before we right. leave earth for mars you've got to identify the mm -hmm. people that can get along and that are going to respect one another and yeah. that's the whole key you get and you really get test to humanity right like it's <laughs> core like in some sense well people uh you, you just uh don't want to get along a lot of times and well, right that yeah, yeah exactly or yeah somebody's agenda you know like versus someone else's and it doesn't mean that by picking the right people that you're going to be successful but it sure helps <laughs> that's, true. <laughs> that's true right yeah okay so i just have a few uh novice questions um a couple times you had a rest day when you weren't climbing but what does that really look like when it's you know 30 below what do you are you just staying in your in your tent uh, 
yeah, we on a lot of these big expeditions, you'd work for six days and then you'd take one day and just lay low. But that's if the weather was good. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes if the weather would come in and you have wind and storm, you would have to sit there for four or five days. I went on one expedition <laughs> to Alaska just 10 years ago where we, I can't remember, I, I spent uh, three, six, three different expeditions uh, to try to climb this peak Mount Fairweather, and we spent in the tent probably, uh, each one was, was 21 day, 20, 40, 60 day, probably spent 50 days in the tent. And okay. and it can it can be uh, unless you got a book to read or unless you like right. nature or you let <laughs> it, it can yeah. it can really right. wear on you. I mean, I particularly young yeah. the youth climbers uh, they're not not cut out for it. So are you bringing books? And I bring a book. I yeah. know you brought camera equipment and we're we're photographing yeah. quite a bit, but that's if again if the weather's all right. Yeah. Wow. In most expeditions, I bring a a fifth of. The best Scotch whiskey I could find. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, what? I love that. I was list <laughs> reading that you had candy. Big fan of candy, like Summit. I used to. Yeah, Summit? I can't eat candy anymore. <laughs> but besides, like, I know you didn't spend a lot of time on the Summit, but did you have a tradition of something you would do up there, or? Well, it on the top of the mountain. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always took. Uh, I had made this uh, flag. When I met John Roskelly, and we had this little flag uh, when we were 16, 17 years old, climbing all these peaks around here, and it said Cop Rosk Expeditionary Forces. It <laughs> <laughs> had this little flag on it, and an American single, and you know, and we'd, we'd take that to all these things. So I, yeah, I would take that flag with me. It was lightweight, and uh, and John was proud of it too. <laughs> he never took the, he, we didn't have two of them, but. Uh, he was pretty proud of the fact that the flag got to a lot of different places. That's, That's awesome. pretty cool, yeah. 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 But no, I didn't drink any whiskey on the, on the <laughs> top of the mountain. <laughs> well, that's wise. The descent is rough, I hear. Uh -huh. Almost like prepare me for the descent, yeah. I don't know. yeah. What did you bring? What's your What's your favorite whiskey over there? Or scotch? Or scotch, uh, sorry. It's a scotch whiskey. It's called the Glenlivet, but... Uh, um, it's it's <laughs> usually when I was climbing in my younger days, I didn't couldn't afford that kind of whiskey. I'd have right. a Yukon Jack or something. I'd take a fifth of it, but I'd just take a capful at the end of the day after working all day, and it really uh, soothed my nerves. And uh, I didn't share it with anybody, of course. <laughs> I tell you one funny instance. I had the last expedition I went on. I took a fifth of this really expensive one. It was a 15-year single malt scotch whiskey and I I had a habit of putting it in a Nalgene bottle <laughs> because you don't want to you don't want to uh, break the bottle Glass, yeah. right yeah so I put the Nalgene bottle and and in the this expedition <laughs> that we were actually kayaking down through the Arctic Circle for three weeks and uh, I uh, being an older man male I I don't get out of the tent anymore I take a another Nalgene bottle and I use that as a pee bottle so in the in the morning I get up to empty my pee bottle and so I go outside and it's storming out and windy and I'm dumping out my urine on the gr on the sand it was 
<laughs> and I thought, God, that didn't look the right color to me. <laughs> oh, no. It must be you, the and caterpillar. It, uh, it turned out that the very first day I took this beautiful $100 bottle of scotch oh whiskey no. and I dumped it in sand, and I almost took the sand out to sieve that whiskey back <laughs> out, of <laughs> out of the ground. <laughs> so I had to learn to live without it <laughs> for the next month. <laughs> There's a lot of stories like that. I can't tell the rest of them. But That's right. <laughs> you can tell us anything you want. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's not in my book, by the way. Oh. Right. Well, I would have uh, brought it up, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. One more. One more question. I have. Um, just navigation in general. Like you have an idea, a route, but how do you know in life, but also on the route, if you're going the right way? Like if it's snowy or or windy, or you can't, you know, they're like. Like you're reading topography maps mostly, but well, some of these routes have never been done. Mallory, I'll yeah. tell you this. <laughs> Chris, tell me. I, I'm <laughs> going to give you a little lecture. Great. I took it so seriously in my early years. I would study weather patterns. Of course, we didn't have the GPS. and didn't have satellites up there. To, right. I would study right. the weather patterns and of those particular mountains. I would study. I would read everything I could about the previous people that have been up there about the snow conditions and the rock conditions and you have to remember our whole galaxy moves at 1.3 billion million miles an hour and right. the earth is a, a a living breathing organism it changes all the time so you have to be acutely aware of uh, temperature changes how much snow the mountain has had that year, which side the snow avalanches it off. You really got to be a psychic and, and study. I don't say really have, you don't have to do anything. And there's a lot of people that go up <laughs> without any clothes and half naked right. to the top of Mount Rainier. And they yeah. end up, some of them end up Denim, lucking out yeah. and, and coming back down, but some of them don't. But I took it real seriously and I, 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 uh, studied and uh, memorized and I got pictures from roots and I did that on every peak I had and a lot of times it didn't work out because I had to turn around anyway but um, I took it really really seriously that's why I'm still here yeah. talking yeah, to you exactly. and um, um, I I was taught right early on and the Spokane Mountaineers do that too so I had good mentorship um, er, in my teenage years and it stuck with me. Well, he also has an amazing sense of direction. Michelle yeah. says you have an amazing sense of direction. Well, I do. I was gifted that way. Yeah. I mean, I could I could yeah. walk ten miles in a zigzag pattern, and I could follow that in the in the fog, and I could follow myself back. Wow! I had yeah, it's innate, but that I think was a epigenetic mark that I developed over the years of. Uh, I had some failures where it didn't work out, where my navigation didn't work out, and but it corrected itself. And mm -hmm. yeah, I know where I'm at on the planet. Yeah, wow. very helpful That's skill in, in yeah. the arena for sure. Well, do you mind if I ask a question about? So when you were doing all these expeditions back when it was more of like a a race or a accomplishment, I'd like be the first try this new. But what do you? 
I mean, I've, I've watched some documentaries, I've read some books, but um, it can be kind of controversial now, don't you think? To summit Everest, or like, I kind of want to. Whether, <laughs> whether you want to talk about it, or I mean, we can edit whatever out. I but I am you. curious, what are your thoughts like now? And like, you know, people, it's very lucrative, or you know, um, the deaths, um, and, you know. So what? What are your thoughts? All now? I can do is is that's a great question, Aspen. Okay, okay. it really is. Okay, I didn't know how. I to could ask not. It, but no, I really you asked know that. I think about. I. You know, when I climbed Everest, uh, we did it completely on our own with an expedition we didn't have any guides right. we put all our own fixed ropes up and everything it was not an enterprise it was not a right. business at right. that time right. after i could not conceive of anybody going up that kumbo icefall with a guide as dangerous as it is and still is i just couldn't i thought god there's no amount of money i would ever pay and uh, right. who would do that right. but <clears throat> The country in Nepal is one at the time was the poorest country on the entire planet of all the countries, and they sell their mountains. It's sure. big business. Mm -hmm. Sure. And the Sherpas make big money from tourists coming in, and you cannot blame them. It's it's uh, yeah. no. They get a hundred thousand dollars for a permit for these big peaks, and they give as many permits as they think people will go. Mm -hmm. And if people. Uh, it's t you know it's a big deal to climb those peaks, and I'm not talking about right. Everest, but any of those peaks that right, are eight thousand right, meters, right. any one of them. Uh, and I don't care uh, if you're young or old; it, it's still a major achievement to climb one of those uh, Nepal peaks. And and they make the guides make good money. The it brings in money to the Sherpas. Uh, it brings in money in tourism money into the uh, Trekking agencies and tourism is a big, big, big business right. in in Nepal and in Tibet. Chinese have do the same thing on the Chinese side, but you know, mm -hmm. it's a, it's not for me. Uh, it's different. Yeah. But I lost all imagination. Uh, my the turn on for me for climbing was the imagination of doing trying to do something first or yeah. second or do so do something and unique or. And uh, not have the pressure of, uh, I, I couldn't be a good guide. I tried it. Uh, I just couldn't take the pressure of somebody paying me and telling yeah. them, look, here you are 100 feet from the top of the I'm turning it around. Yeah. I just yeah, couldn't. It was an added added pressure for me that I couldn't uh, manage. Sure. No, it was, uh, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it's just, no, it's, it's, it's difficult it's because you're right. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's more like pay pay to play now you have to you <laughs> if know, you've got the money you, you got can, the money you can do it but what yeah. You, yeah how do you feel about that do you think because or is you're cool with it if people want to do their thing or do you think it should i don't know come come from something else back in the day when it was more pure i guess but. um i'm just glad i did it in the time i did it when i did it and yeah. uh yeah times have changed and people uh, if they've got the money and they think they've got the expertise, uh, can pay enough to get a good enough guide. And I've got some good friends that are really top-notch guides too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they make good money doing it, but it's it's not for me. Yeah, the safety yeah. is an issue. Is a big big issue. Uh, <laughs> and again, and again, that's a rubber band of. Uh, 
Right, that's the thing. Are these people rich enough to do it, or are they experienced enough to do it, or are they both, right? Probably, uh, you know, know? I beat John Krakauer's drum for this one. He wrote the book Into Thin Air. Right, right. My book was Into Thin Hair. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love that, and I love your code at the end. Well, anyway, (laughs) John did a great job of explaining uh, that whole situation, the politics of it, and be frank with you. Yeah, please. I couldn't do it because I tried guiding for a year, and the majority of the people I got uh, were good people. But from one observation of the, in the in the big peaks, uh, most of the people aren't shouldn't be there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's they're, right. They're, they think they can you know, something and can buy their way up, and right. uh, and money does buy a lot. Yeah, but. Uh, it's not for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, the Fair. times have changed radically. Sure. And I don't know if, I'm just really glad uh, I did it when I did. I had the times and the, yeah. there's still plenty of mountains out there. And again, we're, <laughs> what I did 40 years ago, the whole Milky Way galaxy has traveled at $1.3 million, <laughs> 3 million miles an hour. So we've gone a long way. Yeah. The Earth has changed. As, you know, yeah. we've got global warming. We've got ice has, has melted down. So every time you go up there, it's a little yeah. bit different for the people. It's a, an exploratory thing. And, and that yeah. is important for people. 100%. The imagination. Yeah. Did that answer your question? No, it's great. It did. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate that. I really am finding talking to you like it's an art and a science for you. Like it really, the imagination keeps coming back, which is a really cool. Well, one other thing I studied as far as science was the geology of the, of the peaks. Yeah. Oh, that was another. Yeah. Like you were so fascinated by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, I couldn't go to another peak on the world without studying the geology of the mountain, you know, what fossils I was going to find and right. how it was made and, uh, you know, the and fascinating the thing. the texture and the how texture. smooth you painted some of these. I was, you know, just fascinated how you even climb them if there's not, you know, and just breakage and all of these things ro- different rocks have it. Well, the Iger, that's what makes the Iger so technically uh, tough. Uh, yeah. it's, it's vertical uh, marble. It's like polished marble. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you broke your ankle, right? Still, yeah. It still bothers <laughs> yeah. me. Still broken. Well, <laughs> I was just like, I mean, I've luckily as an athlete never had a major injury, but I can't imagine like going from the top of that, li- like literally and figuratively, to coming down and having to. It took you a year or more to recoup from that, right? Like just ment- You're just so mentally, yeah. like you're physically impressive, obviously, but I just like. I can't stress enough all of the mental times that I am like, damn, like I, and just to be able to have the humility to come down or like call people out on like, Hey, no, this is what I'm doing. You're going the wrong way to stick to your guns. That's, well, I just really commend you for that because that's hard. As you know, any sport, any sport you do in, in this activity, uh, climbing is an activity or a sport is kind of combined both, but yeah, state wrestler. We forgot to mention state wrestler. WSU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrestling, uh, baseball, football. The longer you, you're in it, the more you realize that it's ninety percent or more mental. Yeah, 
and and people just laugh and say, "Oh, you gotta be, you gotta look like Arnold Schwarzenegger." Well, <laughs> shit, look at me. I'm in skin and bones. Well, I'm not skin and bones now, but <laughs> you know, you're you're. Uh, it's a mental game of knowing when when you're gonna exert when you're not and uh, it's about it becomes about 90 percent the higher up you get uh, whatever you judge as being high up in the sport again you can go climb in Spokane here go climb a hundred foot cliff and free solo and that's like climbing yeah. Everest yeah. Mm -hmm. you know Everest. it's it's an it's a uh, exponential uh, gift that um, you get from climbing climbing little peaks and big peaks my focus was on the big ones and that's what i spent my life yeah my athletic life let's put it that way yeah <sighs> well chris we're so honored that you came and to talk to us yeah. and just really your insight's amazing and people should read your book highest and hardest uh, a mountaineer's climbing lifetime odyssey to the top of the world <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, you're very, very welcome. I had in, I enjoyed uh, every bit of it. I'm still shaking because you've actually read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lexi Greenwood, for uh, connecting Mallory's us. Mallory's a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. you for inviting me. Of it was course. Really fun. Yes, thank you. All right. That was fun. <laughs> Okay, so we're back after visiting with our guest, Chris uh, Kopchinski, and yes. his... Cousin Chris. Cousin Chris. Yeah, I love that. I know. We'll have to figure out a title to this episode, right? Yes. I and I think uh, a family tree, he needs to draw it, and 107 first cousins. I need to be on it, though. I know, 107 first cousins. First cousins. Yes. That was really hard to kind of wrap my brain around a little bit <laughs> so we're gonna have all of them on he was the first one <laughs> we're just gonna keep going <laughs> um well this is kind of it's not really a fact check but mm. this time we do have uh his book highest and hardest so we are gonna i have two things i'd like to clarify please um but otherwise it's just kind of like recapping our guest and um just talking one more time about how wonderful uh he was and what a great experience we had with him and michelle and listen, we are a low-budget uh, <laughs> <laughs> operation, so we did not have a fourth mic yet. Uh, so Michelle was here and lovely and mm -hmm. uh, contributing and keeping Chris really on track. You I know? know. Yes, <laughs> yes. We want to make sure we notice that she was in the background, but um, you might have not heard what she had to say. But Mallory definitely did a nice yes. job. Yeah, educating. And Oakley was in the background, <laughs> and I called her my Sherpa, but she is a dog, and I thought people should know. I love dog. to picture Oakley though with like a little bag. I know a little backpack. It's yeah, actually a little really dog cute. Backpack that is like carrying up yes. her supplies. Yours. Oh, she just got a rain jacket, and oh, I just—it's not even raining, and it's really. <gasps> we'll cute. upload a photo. Oh my gosh, to our website. Yes, yes. And our photo with Chris. He was nice enough to take it with us. He was dressed so professionally. <laughs> it was really great to see. Um. Okay, so we kind of joke around, but. Mm -hmm. I was pretty close to the exact amount that they raised on Makalu. <laughs> I said 12,980 yeah, something. Oh, I know. And then another time I referenced it, it's 12,980 and 56 cents. So oh, I excuse us, 56 cents. Yes, and he said He said 13, about 13,000. Yeah, he rounded up and you were like, actually. Yes. 
yeah. it was it was uh close but mm, <laughs> not <laughs> so close and then the bridge that mary kate and ashley this was haunting me for a long time so i did oh gosh i did do some googling yeah, how, uh the harbor long? bridge in sydney and apparently it's really um Sydney, Australia, Dun -dun -dun. right? Yes. So apparently it's pretty common. And which movie exactly was this? It was Our Lips Are Sealed, which Chris will be happy to know. I'm sure he's seen it. <laughs> if he hasn't, sure. Chris, and you're listening, <laughs> please, please look into that. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, my gosh. We also made a bet in the episode about oh, snow. snow. Yeah. Mm, and I, I think remember we were, this, yes. Uh, I think you owe me some money. I made ah. maybe $12,980.56. <laughs> Okay, because you. you were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Venmo, I think it's got to be cash. <laughs> Venmo. Yeah, they'll track that. Flags, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Excuse me, what? We'll see. It was for we'll a bit. We'll see what's going on. That's right. So what, but I really thought we would have snow. And to be fair, it's what, mid-February? And we had a little bit of snow yesterday on, this, on the north side. Did you have snow up here? Uh, I don't know. But not enough to stick and not enough to make like a snow day, yeah. which is what I thought would happen. But so far, no snow day Yes, in February. Mm, but, but we're not done. That's true. <laughs> Punxsutawney <laughs> Phil said six more six weeks. Six more weeks. What is that? I, this holi this tradition holiday, what do you call? Uh, yeah, that's What do you call that? That is a good question. We don't take it off. Like it's not federally recognized, but we like. Should be. Celebrate it <laughs> on the news in some way. We have a little groundhog that is videotaped yeah i think memorial day should <laughs> it should be like a second memorial day but just about <laughs> phil you know in remembrance but apparently he takes the elixir of life every seven years mm -hmm. so he's from the it's the same groundhog from the 1800s right of course you know it's it just every groundhog. yeah so and when he runs away it means that we have six more weeks of winter i think it has to do with the shadows <laughs> if he sees his shadow <laughs> Check. We need a fact How check. How do we know if he sees check. a shadow? Well, he goes out where. Listen, and the isn't sun he scared if he doesn't or does? I don't think it has anything to do with his emotions or running. Oh, okay. I but thought maybe. that was tied to it. Like you. Have you seen the movie Groundhog Day? Yeah, with um, Bill Murray. Billy, yeah. and where he yeah. repeats the same day over and over again. Yes. Well, what'd you take away from Chris's interview? I think for me, like just getting really in depth with the psychology of mm -hmm. a climber and like the mental capacity, you know, obviously I knew it was hard physically, but just being able to like trust yourself enough. And like, like you said, you really have to know yourself and yeah, that's what that I takes a lot of work. And, and yeah. I really give him credit for turning around uh, a lot. And we sat around after and he said this, that he's been writing this book for what, 20, 25, yeah, or 20 plus years. Right, right. And that also, writing, and that lends itself to knowing yourself, I think, and, and being reflective. So it kind of inspired me to, to journal or, you know, to just to keep a, a record of some things. Because I feel like we forget and and it's easy to do. So, mm -hmm. yeah. How about you? What was your... No, I totally wrote that down. I was like, he said, so, you know, he talked really about the physicality of it like obviously you need to be physically fit but it was more mental I think than it was physical and like you said knowing yourself and trusting other people like how do you get to that point right to do both yeah. trust yourself and just like let, like put your do you want to survive like he, like how many people didn't survive right 
versus right. how many people did. And he, he said his success rate was what? Less than 50%, not even. Right. Like he turned around more than he did go on. And you have to be okay with that. And I think yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like that's part of it all, right? Like knowing when to know that you can do it. Also, I just think like you also are training for 20 minutes up on that summit or less sometimes, I'm yeah. sure. Um, but that's just got to be like I kind of equated it. He's like that. The, the summit's not the goal. It's yeah. one goal, but it's like the main goal is getting back down. I and I just thought good. about like you play like a soccer match and then you have to like walk home. Or, you know, like you've given it your all, your absolute all and reach yeah. the goal and won, won your game. And then you still have to like. I don't know what else you can even equate it to. I, I don't know. Just being that physically exhausted, but not being done. But like, that's the summit's your goal. I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I know. I'm trying to job. even think about a time in my life where I've ever had to maybe push myself to that point. I don't know if I have, and that's okay. Maybe just haven't gone there. I don't know what also makes you want to push yourself to that point. I don't know. Mm hmm. So I guess it think makes me think about maybe trying to find that um, push to try something that pushes you to that point where, like, do you really know yourself or not? I don't know. Nice. No, I think yeah, that's like, a I think I get quest. scared. You, people can get scared, right, to not take risks, but um, the reward is pretty interesting. So I think I've just been a person that kind of holds back at times. Like, um it's a give and take. Like I can be pretty yeah. outgoing, but I do have a limit. And um, but what is my limit? How far can I push it? What do I want to actually accomplish? So, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So well, thank you for these gifts, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in his book, it was at Antis. I think it sold out. Um, but it's at the Mac locally. Support your local books yeah, shops. For sure. Um, and of course, um, just read it it's really it's really good even if you don't think you're in a mountain climbing it's so much more than than that mm -hmm. so highest yeah. and hardest yeah by chris kepchinski <laughs> mm -hmm. nice. right, well thank you thank you and thank you chris and michelle yeah thank you listeners um and we do want to hear from you uh what's your origin and tonic you have an interesting story and we want to hear it email us at origin and a and d tonic podcast at gmail dot com yes yeah. thank you bye, bye. bye.